as we've been going through and talking about the promises of God and promises which we can live out in our lives and just looking at different people in the Bible who lived out those promises through their walk with God as well, I want us to look back at um, a man who really showed this in a lot of different aspects of his life and through the different trials and things that he went through and some things that I think we can really relate to as well. So if everybody would want to turn over to the book of Daniel, that's where we're going to be um, pulling a few lessons out of today. And just kind of looking at some snapshots of Daniel, which show different parts of his character and him seeking to follow in those promises which God had given. We all know a lot of the stories of Daniel, and we all have studied them since we were kids and are really familiar with them. But um, I think just looking at that aspect of how Daniel um, did show his like faith in God, even in situations where we wouldn't always think that you needed to show it, and in ways that... Um, a lot of times are challenging for us, if that be like peer pressure, if that be um, authorities telling you something that you can't do, or just having options out there which kind of show you that you could um, take the power on in yourself rather than giving the glory and giving the power back to God in those situations. So as we open up at the very first chapter there, we see that um, they've been taken in captivity, we can see that they're under these um, other kings, and we can just tell that um, it would be a pretty hard time to be um, an Israelite and be following God whenever you are in this other land and you are being oppressed and held down by these people. But then if you look um, down a few verses, it starts to talk about what's happening now. And it says in verse 3, Then the king ordered Afshanaz, the chief of the officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and some of the nobles, youths in whom there was no... <laughs> Defect, who are good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, who had the ability in serving in the king's court, and he ordered them to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice, and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that he should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. So this is pretty big time. You'd be chosen as someone who looks good enough, was smart enough, had wisdom, discernment, all of those things, to be able to come into the king's court and to do these things. So they're basically saying, we're going to pay for you to basically go to school for three years. We're going to give you everything you could need. We're going to feed you. We're going to give you a place to live. And we're going to teach you so that you'll be top. So then let's look down in verse 6. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. So we see they're already in this land which has been taken over, and they're underneath the Babylonians, but the Babylonians are trying to take away even more of who they are by changing their names and making them more Babylonian from that. So as we look in the next verses, let's see how Daniel's response was and those other people who were with him as well. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. So in this situation... We can see the person who's going to be working with Daniel on a very close basis is kind of standing up to him and saying, why do you want to change things and not go with the customs that we chose for you? We changed your name. We're going to do all these things for you for the next three years. 
why would you be holding me back from being able to give you this food and things like that? So I see in this um, just peer pressure in that way of all these other people are doing it, but Daniel's standing up, even though seeing all these other people who are going along with it, and saying, we don't want to eat this way. We don't want to do these things. We want to do what we believe is right. And so in this situation, I just see a lot of times in our own lives, we're going to be pressured, um, if that be people that we work with, if that be people that we um, know, go to school with, anything, or just our families. They can put this pressure on us in a way of telling us we need to act a certain way, even if it's not what we see um, God commanding us to do. And it's okay for us to stand up, but it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to be hard to do that. So I think that definitely had to be hard for Daniel in this time. Now let's continue reading there. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence, and the appearance of the youths who are eating in the king's choice food. And deal with your servants according to what you see. So Daniel doesn't step back or say, um, oh, okay, well, if it's going to get you in trouble, that's okay, I won't worry about it. Daniel says, test it. Let's see what happens. I don't want you to just give it to me just because I asked for it. I want it to actually be proven that this is going to be the best thing. And he kind of says, like, deal with your servants as you see what happens. So he's not saying there's no way it's going to change in the future. He's saying, let's see what happens. Let's test it. And then we'll see and go from there. So that's just a really good lesson to me. And I know ever since we've been studying through promises this year, whenever I read certain passages, I always want to look and see how does it relate to this person? And then how can what they went through relate to me in the promises of God? So let's just continue reading there. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better than they were they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold the choice food and the wine and they were, they were to drink and kept, kept giving them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. And at the end of the days, which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of all of them, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. And as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. So obviously these tests which Daniel came up to, he met, and he didn't mind challenging it. He didn't mind stepping up to that challenge and showing God through all of the circumstances as well. So in this, we kind of see him overcoming that peer pressure. We see him overcoming the pressure from all the other people who were claiming to follow the same thing he was, but he was able to become a leader through that, and he was able to be proved and tested in more than one way. It wasn't just in what he ate, but in what he did and how he learned and in the things that God blessed him with. So God was glorified through this situation. Now, later on, we see the king... The second year of King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2, we see that he's there. As we go throughout that um, chapter, we actually see that there was the dream, which the king had forgotten, but um, he wanted someone to tell him what that dream was, someone to explain to him what the dream was. And then he wanted them to interpret it and tell him what it meant. And he called all the wise men, all of the countries, everyone to come to him. And he said, you need to tell me what this is. And then they're saying, king, just tell us the dream and we'll tell you what the interpretation is. And he said, you tell me what the dream was, and you tell me the interpretation, 
or you're going to get killed. So through that, we see the king asserting his authority, which he had, to be able to say, this is what I want. You need to do it. If you're saying that you're such wise men, you should be able to figure out what this is and be able to tell me what it means as well. Um, whenever they couldn't bring it up and they kept asking him, king, just tell us what your dream was and then we'll tell you what it means. He says, I know you're trying to stall and you're trying to take up some time. So that he gets really upset and really angry and he actually sends out um, men to go out there and to kill the men who are supposed to be doing it. Now, Daniel hears about this, but he hears about it in the way whenever um, the man who is supposed to be sent out to kill all those wise men is coming to just start killing the people who were um, the ones the king had asked, what does the dream even mean? Now, if we look down, I believe in verse 14 of chapter 2 there, to Arioch, who's the man who was coming out there to um, start that slaughter of all those wise men, he says, then Daniel applied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said to Arioch, the king's commander, For what reason is this decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about this matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. So, in this situation, we see Daniel stepping into this um, and asking, What's wrong? What's going to happen? Why is this such a big deal? And whenever he finds out um, why the king was so upset and why the king needed this to happen, we can see Daniel kind of stepping up to the plate again, but in a different way. It wasn't peer pressure of other people telling him he needed to do this thing, but we can see him seeing that even in this fearful situation where if he didn't give the correct dream or the correct interpretation, that he would be murdered from the king. I mean, obviously the king was willing to do it to all these people, so he was willing to murder Daniel if Daniel came in there and didn't say what he needed to do. But he has wisdom in saying, give me time. I need to go and consult with God, and I need to find out what this means. So let's read the next few verses. They're starting in 17, chapter 2. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hanael, Mishael, and Azariah, about this matter, so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So throughout this time, Daniel and his friends, they sit together. Um, you can just see them praying to God here. You can see them um, coming with one another and looking over um, ways that they could understand this dream to be able to tell it to the king and to be able to save all these people. So they were not afraid of asking God so that even though they may have been earthly afraid and afraid of what the king might do to them in some sense, they didn't let that hold them back. And we can see that in other stories as well, like with the fiery furnace. They didn't stop or they didn't stand down just because they were afraid of what was going to happen to them in their earthly bodies. So as God gives him this um, interpretation to the dream, tells him what the dream was, then um, Daniel's actually able to tell the dream to Nebuchadnezzar and get that answered for him as well. I believe in verse 1 through 3 of chapter 4, we can actually see Nebuchadnezzar, the king of all the peoples and nations, Men of every language that lives on the earth, may your peace around abound. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. So through this situation and Daniel being willing to stand up and risk his life for all these other people, we can see that um, he actually brought Nebuchadnezzar to be the one praising God. So he brought glory to God in this situation, just as much as he did in the first one, but for different intentions and for different reasons than he had in the first as well.
All right. And then, if you want to turn over to chapter 6, you can. This is the chapter where um, we kind of see more of the rules and the laws and uh, some of the things which the governing authorities had over Daniel, had over the other men who were there living in um, Babylon at this time. And as we look at this decree which was set upon them, uh, we're just going to read through chapter 6 and then um, kind of pull out some of the things that would have been harder about it and then also some of the things which came from them imposing these laws on them as well. So let's start in verse 1 of chapter 6. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, and these satraps might be accountable to them, and the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps, because he was possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption, inasmuch as he was faithful, and no negligence of the corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, We will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel, unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Pretty great thing if somebody said that about you, that... There's nothing bad they could find about you. We think about like all the political campaigns, the little things they get <clears throat> pulled out and brought against them. It's a <clears throat> basically what <clears throat> basically what they're trying to do right now. But we can see that Daniel had nothing <clears throat> for them to be <laughs> able to do to them. I should have brought my giant jug up here. Um, and so, as we see Daniel here, he's willing to. Um, always live for God in every circumstance of his life. It's not like he has these little secrets and things like that which he holds on to. And we can see that all these men knew that too. It wasn't something that he had hidden or anything like that. So as we go from here, let's look and just see what would you do whenever you can't do anything against someone that would actually be unlawful. Then let's see what they had to do. In verse 6 it says, Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows, King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is, the injunction, now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber he had a windows, and open towards Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before this God. And he had been as he had been doing previously. And these men came by agreement and found Daniel in making petition and supplication before his God. And then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man beside you, O king, for thirty days is to be cast into the lion's den? And the king replied, The statement is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed. 
but keeps making his petitions three times a day. Then as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians and that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So we see that these men definitely didn't tell the king that Daniel was going to keep praying. You may, I mean, I believe that the king understood that Daniel was um, very strong in the Lord. Obviously, he praises God over and over again because of that. But um, I don't know if he just didn't think about that, how it would affect Daniel or if he thought that Daniel would just be okay with stopping for 30 days. But through this, we can see that Daniel knew this was signed, obviously. He was one of the leaders. He knew everything that was going on. But through this, even in this situation, he was willing to open up his windows, still pray to God. We all know the story well. But one of those things is just, it's hard sometimes whenever you see authorities or have someone who's high above you making these rules, making these laws, which you feel like everyone has to follow, but still being willing to stand up to that and say, I'm not going to follow that as long as it doesn't like fit in with what God says for me. So now let's start back in verse 16 and see what happens from there. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. Then the king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Then the king arose at dawn and at the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. <clears throat> and when he had come near to the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I have found innocent before him and also toward you. O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up and out of the den, and no injury whatsoever was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king then gave orders and brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel and those who cast him, and, and they cast them and their children and their wives into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones." So in this story, we just see, like, it's amazing what God can do, and it's amazing just the faith that um, following God can bring in other people who may not follow God all themselves, but by an example and by just living as um, someone in the kingdom can really show someone who's outside of the kingdom who God is and the dedication and just the power that God can have um, in their life as well. So it's really cool just to see Nebuchadnezzar and just his reaction all through the way whenever we see um, Daniel making these different choices and different moves because he's trusting in God. Now I want to go back to 1 Peter 1 where we actually started the reading this morning of the whole sermon and the whole service this morning. And I think it's interesting in the very start of 1 Peter, how it's addressed. It actually says, to those who reside as aliens in verse 1, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bith 
Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be to yours the fullest measure. I just think this is like such a fitting passage with the introduction in that way whenever thinking about Daniel and the people who are with him who were aliens and who weren't really from that land that they were kind of supplanted into this culture and were tried to assimilate to those things. And I think this passage here just starts off the perfect way of saying to aliens because we are aliens in a, a lot of ways. And it gets kind of easy to feel comfortable and to be a part of this nation or be a part of the earth or be a part of the world and how all those things start to come into our life a little bit more. But it's kind of nice to think we are aliens and we are supposed to be different and it's okay and it's not bad and it's not weird. And that's something that in Daniel's life we saw over and over and over again of him thinking like, I don't have to follow the rules. I don't have to go along with everybody else. I don't have to do these things just because that's normal. And if I'm going to risk my life, I better do it for God. So in verse 3 of 1 Peter 1, let's read through verse 3 through verse 9 there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused, caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see, do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as your outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So we see through all the situations where Daniel trusted in God and Daniel put his faith there that he was delivered and that he was given um, just the things which are promised to us now that we can be delivered through Jesus. Um, Daniel having that faith and being willing to stand up for his faith at all times because he believed in God and because he did want to serve him in all things in his life, he had that. So I just think it's good for us to just kind of test ourselves constantly and uh, just make sure that whenever we're thinking about the promises God has given to us, that we're willing to stand up for those so that we'll have an inheritance as well. Um, the song Josh chose for us to sing is, Are You Washed in the Blood? And uh, I think another good question for us to ask is just, if we're washed in the blood, um, are we living like we're washed in the blood? So as we sing that this morning, let's just think about, if we're washed in the blood, let's live like it, and let's be willing to stand up and show God to other people and just be willing to live it out in our life as well. All right, we can stand.